It's great to be here. Uh, my name is Alex. I'm a student at Reformation Bible College in Sanford, Florida, and Jim has given me the gracious opportunity to come here and to, to minister to you. And this is this isn't something I take lightly. This is um, it's a very big deal, and I'm, I'm really happy for all you guys who came here, who made the trip, and uh, to you guys who are local here. It's it's just it's really great to be here and to see all you guys. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we'll get into this text. I did. The microphone is on. Thank you, Jim. Father God, we, we praise you and we thank you for allowing us to come here. Pray that your spirit would be with us to see your voice in the text, Lord. Pray that your spirit would bring to mind the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us for the forgiveness of sins as we read about forgiveness today. We pray this through the power of the spirit in the name of the Son. Amen. Okay. Great. Thanks. So, we're talking about the fundamentals today, and I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine the other night about fundamentals. We were talking about basketball. We were commenting on why it is that some European players' free throw shots are better than American players' free throw shots. And after riffing around for a little bit, uh, we came to the conclusion that what the difference is, is the fact that in European basketball schools, they actually train you better on your shot so that your your fundamental ability to shoot the basketball, which is really the whole point of the game, is, is what you're relying on, not your athleticism or your drive or your motor or whatever it is. So we, we kind of see that in faith, too. A lot of the times we, we focus on activism. We focus on you know studying theology. And all of these things are right and good. High five. Amen. Keep doing these things. But without the overarching knowledge of why we're doing these things, it's easy to get lost in them. At this point um, in Luke, I know you guys are in Luke chapter 8, up until the text here in Luke 4 and 5, we see that Jesus has done a, a good bit of things. He's, he's healed a man with an unclean spirit, he's cleansed lepers, he's cleansed many people, um, and even when he was baptized by John the Baptist, we, we saw the Spirit descend on Jesus and the Father audibly speak, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Um, so it's, it's kind of a big deal what Jesus is doing right now because he's getting the attention of everybody in that area. And it's, it's not like today when I would, I would text somebody and tell them I saw something. Like, this is all traveling by word of mouth. They didn't have Twitter or Facebook. Or, like, the only way that they knew what Jesus was doing was through the proclamation of, of one another. Um, and, th- and that's big, too, because it says here in verse 17, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem. This is, this is a huge area to be walking around without cars or, or any kind of transport. They're, they're walking by foot to come and see Jesus. It's, it's, a, it's a very big deal. And the, the group that it got the attention of particularly um, were the scribes and the Pharisees. These were like the, the lawyers and the, the teachers of that day. They were, they were very respected, being that Israel was a theocratic government. All of the power was centralized with, within the temple. So these people had immense power and immense influence in that culture. They were there uh, from every village of Galilee, Judea, and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. This wasn't a medical power. This was a divine power given to Jesus from God. And behold, we're here in verse 18. Some men were bringing on a bed 
a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. So here's what we have going on. The buildings in that day had flat roofs, tile, mud on top, stairs up the back to get up to them. So what these men had done was they saw all of these scribes and Pharisees in the building packed so tightly that they couldn't get in. So they had to get creative. They went around the building up to the back steps to bring this man up onto the roof. And they're, they're chipping away at the mud. They're removing tiles. And a lot of the, the pictures that you see of this scene are of Jesus with some kind of or, or the friends with some kind of intricate pulley system and this big hole in the roof to get this man down in there. But I'm thinking that if, if Jesus was teaching and they're, they're trying to get down into him quickly, they're, they're not going to take all of the time to, to create this big hole and get this system of ropes set up. They're, they're probably, you know, just, you know, chipping away, getting a couple tiles out, tying some ropes to this guy and letting him down. Uh, he probably knocked his head up against the, the thing like this. This is a, r- a real scene for this guy. Um, and we, we kind of see this, uh, contrast, right, between the friends of the man and the, the scribes and the Pharisees. So we know the, the character of the Pharisees as that of extreme self-righteousness. Um, they had, they had known that what was going on in Jesus was from God. They didn't know that Jesus was God. They didn't have an intricate system of Christology developed. They knew though that what was happening was from the Lord. So, they see the man coming in behind them to try to get their friend healed, and none of them move out of the way. They keep Jesus away from the people who need him most. And I think that's something that we need to see in ourselves. If we should examine ourselves to see if, if our, our fear of, of other people, if our esteem of our reputation, it comes in the way of, of bringing others to the Lord. And I, I know it has in, in my case and in many other cases, but as um, St. Augustine of Hippo, uh, a Northern African uh, church father, once said that everything that we do should be to build up what he called a double love for God and for neighbor. There's a, a, a vertical love and a horizontal love that all of, the, all of the love that we receive from the Father should pour down into us, and not, not to keep it there, but to bring it out and to spread it among, among our uh, fellow people. So that's, that's, uh, that's what we see in the Friends. They, they loved their friend and they, they literally, they took their faith through the roof to see, um, to get, to get their friend healed. Like, this, this is a great guy. He's, he's got great friends. He was, he was likely a, a quadriplegic. He had a, a touch of the palsy a little bit. Um, so he'd known nothing but, but bed rest his, his entire life. Um, this is a, a really, a really sad case. But, um, we'll, we'll continue in verse 20 here. After, after the man is lowered into their midst, Jesus took a look at him, and he said, when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Imagine what's going on in this guy's head right now. He just traveled, being brought by his four friends into, into the presence of Jesus to get healed. And the, the first words out of the mouth of Jesus are, your sins are forgiven you. Like, I know if, if I were him, that wouldn't exactly be why I was there. But what Jesus is doing here is he's actually making a profound fundamental point. That before our physical needs are the needs of our soul. And this is what he showed in his proclamation of first healing the man's soul, forgiving his sins, and then later healing his body. 
The Bible talks about forgiveness as a right standing before God. It is a justification of our own standing before the Holy One of God. Genesis 15, 6 says that Abraham believed the promises of God and that his belief in the things that God had said were counted to him as righteousness. Romans 5, 1 says that since we've been justified, we've been made right by faith, we now have peace with our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Pharisees hated this message because they'd spent their whole lives working and trying to make themselves right before God. They'd they'd spent their entire life studying the law so intricately that they knew it like the back of their hand, but but they, they missed the forest for the trees. They couldn't see that the Messiah was right in front of them. They've, they've got fireworks going off in their heads right now. They, they can't comprehend what it is that Jesus just said. They said in verse 21, they questioned him, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, their, their theology is right here. They, only God can forgive sins. But they missed their Messiah right in front of them. When Jesus perceived the thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or rise and walk? And I don't know if it was some kind of divine knowledge that he was able to read their minds, or if it was just he was able to read the room. But he asked them, what's easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to heal you of your ailments? Now obviously it's easier to tell somebody your sins are forgiven. I can tell you, Jim, your sins are forgiven. But I don't have any authority by which that he can gauge that on. His Jesus' entire point in healing this man was to, uh, to authenticate his message that he can forgive sins. He says, But that you may know that the Son of Man, which is what Jesus called himself, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says to the man who is paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So like any miracle in the Bible, this healing pointed to something else. It proved Jesus' forgiveness, and it pointed to the greater reality of Jesus' authority to forgive sins. He says to the man, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose, he went up before them, and picked up what he had been lying on, and uh, went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. See, one of the fundamentals of our faith is that Jesus Christ forgives sin. Now, a lot of the times in pulpits and churches, we don't talk about sin because it's really hard to do. We hate to hear it. It goes against who we are as humans. We, we want to think that we, we've got it mostly right. Um, but, but the Bible says that everybody is a sinner. Everybody is in need of the grace of God to forgive them of their sin. It is a stain upon our soul. It's it's a blight upon our humanity, and it's not the intended creation that God had given us. But the good news is that Jesus Christ lived in our place to offer God the righteous obedience that we owe to him as his creatures. We see that Jesus Christ died in our place to satisfy the wrath of God that is uh, due upon us because of our sin. And then God raised Jesus Christ from the dead to prove, to authenticate the message that Jesus' sacrifice was accepted on our behalf. The fundamental gospel message is that Jesus Christ saves sinners through faith and repentance. And we see this because Jesus Christ was resurrected on Calvary. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, that he wants to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, obviously, this was parabolic, but still, hyperbolic, but still. What is the most important thing to us right now? Is it our, is it our politics? Is it the, the causes that we go up for? Or is it resting in the completed work of Christ on the cross for our sins and for our forgiveness? The resurrection is the primary message of Christianity. Let's go in the rest of our day remembering that, that Jesus Christ took our place on the cross to forgive us for our sins. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you for allowing us to come here. Again, just to, to hear your word, to worship you in song and in word. Pray that we would not neglect the means of grace that you've given us today, that our hearts would be soft and malleable for your purposes, that, Lord, your spirit would be upon us right now, and that we would be able to serve you as you deserve to be served. Lord, that you would bring to our minds the reality of the sin in our life. In my life, and everybody here, Lord, that you would prick our consciences with the knowledge of your holiness and your justice, Lord, that sin can't go unpunished. But Lord, we pray that we would be reminded of the sacrifice that your Son made on our behalf. And it's in his name that we pray this. Amen.